Hey everyone, welcome to the Americana Station podcast. Today on the podcast, we have D.L. Rossi. Um, he just released his record this past weekend. Uh, I was able to go check out his uh, performance at the basement, the OG, with a Sweetheart Pub Back to Business at the Basement. Alliteration at its finest. Um, it was a great show. It was super awesome to see live music and full bands again. Um, of course, we were masked up. There were little pods of four people. Um, so you had to buy your tickets in fours. And uh, yeah, I took some pictures. You can see it uh, on uh, line. I'll be, I'll be posting some of those photos. And I think uh, Dan Berry's were there. I took some photos of them. You'll see some on their page. Uh, Elijah Ocean, who will be next up on the podcast, is there. Uh, was there and took some photos of him. Um, Phoebe Hunt. Uh, I did miss King Corduroy, unfortunately. Uh, I had to get going, um, but I saw some videos of his show and it looked awesome. He had horns and everything. Super cool. Um, but yeah, so we're talking today about Lonesome Kind, which is D.L. Rossi's new record. Um, we got to hear it in its well. I don't know if we played all the songs, but uh, we got to hear most of it live at the basement uh, this past Saturday. Uh, you might have missed out because uh, it was a sold out show. So, but you might have been there. Hey, who knows? It was also sold out. So it was uh, at full capacity, which was super cool. It was so nice to see people, uh, even though we were all socially distanced into little pods, um, and just felt good to to be around music again, uh, take some photos. And, uh, we got some, also some, uh, exciting video content. I am doing video content. I'm doing it all now. I'm just all around media mogul here, uh, at Americana station. So, uh, I'll be, you know, I haven't really been doing anything on, uh, YouTube or anything like that, but I'm going to start, uh, getting into that. So make sure I don't, I don't need, I think it's, you know what, I'll tell you next time, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like youtube.com slash Americana station. Um, I honestly haven't been on it in a very long time, but we're going to be updating it. Um, and you'll start to see some videos there, which is super cool. It's always great to have more content. Um, what else is going on? Um, I know the Danberries are playing at D's this weekend. Um, so that's cool. Check them out. If you missed them at the back to business at the basement and, um, I just got a couple more people uh, booked solid for the podcast. Let's see. We've got Volk. Um, they're going to be coming in. Uh, let's see. That'll be next month. And also uh, Adim, the artist, uh, who just put out a new record. Um, and it's super good. Uh, it was I, I hadn't heard any Adim stuff. We've been following each other on the socials. Um, and I got to, uh, was it? Z yeah, it was Zach Russell who shared the post. And so I went and listened because I'm like, man, I've been following this guy. I need to check out his new stuff. And it is really good. So uh, it has already released, but we're still going to uh, be talking about his new record, uh, Adim, A-D-E-E-M, The Artist. So be sure to check out his new record. And uh, yeah, we got D.L. Rossi on the show today. I'm super excited about it. His new record is killer. I can't say enough good things about it. Um, it just, it, it, it's, it's a great moody record and it's, it's really gonna, um, it's, it's one that you can keep diving into and, uh, learning a lot more about. And, uh, I'm super pumped to have such a talented guy on the podcast. Oh, we always have talented people on the podcast. Um, and that's always exciting. That's why I do it. But, uh, today is DL Rossi. So here we go.
And everyone, today on the podcast, uh, we have DL, is it Rosie? Rossi? Rossi. Rossi. Um, yes, sir. You have a new record coming out, uh, and you got some great reviews from uh, Glide, Wide Open Country, Pop Matters. People have been really impressed with the new record. Um, how long did it take you to record the record? Is this something that was pre-pandemic, or did you kind of record it, uh, write it and record it in pandemic? Yeah, so it was interesting. Um, we had planned to go at the beginning of the year. Um, there were plans to go out to LA to record the the record with um, one of the co-producers, Tyler Chester. My brother is my other producer and he lives in Nashville. And uh, we were planning a trip out there to go record the record. And then when everything started shutting down, we, um, we kind of didn't know if we were going to be able to do the record. And then... Um, probably around April, my brother figured out a way for us to basically be able to do it remotely um, where I just had to be uh, at his studio. And we recorded in May um, where it was just basically me and my brother in the control room. And then Ross uh, McReynolds who played drums every day would we'd leave the front door of the studio open and he would just walk into the drum studio. And uh, Tyler was working remotely from LA over Zoom and they were just sharing the session on Pro Tools uh, at like as co-producers. And so whenever we recorded something, it would like instantly upload it to Tyler's session. And likewise, it would work the same way for him. So um, it was an interesting thing because we were all separated. And so we were all talking to, to each other over like iPads and computers on a Zoom call. <laughs> um, but it was uh, it was a fun experience. It took us about... Uh, two weeks to do like the, 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 the bed tracks of the record. And then yeah. there was probably another uh, week, week and a half for some overdubs and like background vocals. Laura Jean Anderson is out of LA and she uh, did some BGVs and then Felicity Jones did some BGVs. And then um, Nashville guy uh, Juan Salazarno did some uh, extra lead guitar parts uh, at the end of the record as well. Um, so it was all in all, it was about basically like it took a month to get everything like kind of tracked, mixed and, and mastered. So, yeah. So it was, uh, basically recorded from Nashville to LA to Michigan. Um, I was, I actually was in Nashville for the, for the uh, recording of the record. I'm, I'm in Michigan now, but, um, okay. I was there, uh, for the, 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 the tracking. So. Um, so yeah, it was basically Michigan or I mean, uh, Nashville and, uh, LA was basically what it was recorded between. So, and you were in East Nashville, but you've since left to go to Michigan. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I moved to Grand Rapids in June, um, of last year. So I've been here since, since, since around then I had been doing some, I'd been back and forth a lot. Um, la two years ago, it would have been now. Yeah, I, I lost a, an uncle to brain cancer. And so I was starting to do more road trips to Michigan to visit him because he was in the hospital. And um, 
as I was making the trips, I just kind of like remembered what I missed about Michigan and uh, came back. So yeah, yeah, Michigan's great. I'm so sorry for the loss of your uncle. That's yeah. It was a it was it was a, it was a tough time. It was uh, um did a lot of the writing for the record. Uh, like some of the songs started back then. Um, but yeah, it was uh yeah, it's always tough to lose somebody that you love. So backing up a little bit, um, and also noticing that your, uh, Jesus tattoo over there, uh, I did see on mm-hmm. your, <laughs> yeah, that's a sweet tattoo. Um, Thanks, man. I did see that you kind of got your start in the Christian music scene doing some, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I was in a, like a rock band with my brothers when I was 15, um, kind of like a switchfoot Jimmy Eat world kind of thing. And I was the drummer. Um, and kind of worked my way into songwriting as that band progressed and then spent probably a decade, um, up until probably 32, I was in like ministry, you could say. Yeah. Um, but when I started kind of releasing, uh, my single, like my first record was very influenced by, uh, like David Bazan. Um, if yeah. you're familiar with, uh, Pedro, the Pedro Lion. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. And so, um, I was basically the first record really talking just honestly, because it was right after I'd been diagnosed with cancer and gone through surgery and I was kind of doing a bucket list. And I was like, I want to start writing these more personal songs and being a little more like straightforward with what I had struggled with in terms of like anxiety and depression, um, all the things that kind of, I had gone through growing up and working in, in the church. And the response wasn't too great from local, uh, like the local church. And so I ended up uh, basically being asked to leave the position that I had and, um, uh, and kind of moving slowly past um, a lot of kind of like the evangelical stuff. Um, I would always, I was always kind of a little bit probably too, too progressive, but also didn't know how to talk about it. Um, I understand. And then that, yeah. And that experience kind of led me to, um, you know, move away from that. I would still consider myself a spiritual person, but, um, definitely not active in, uh, evangelical Christianity. Anymore, so. You know, we, uh, my last guest, uh, uh, Kyle Crownover, we were talking about that a little bit. He was also a worship leader. I was never a worship leader. I did play, you know, bass, you know, cause that's where mm-hmm. you really get your feet wet. Oh Actually, gosh. Yeah. The last few people that have been on it were all, uh, somewhat involved in some sort of music ministry um, before they really took off. And, uh, you know, when you're in a small town, uh, not that Grand Rapids is small, but, you know, when you're in a smaller town, it's really your only option is to, you know, play some. Yeah. Back, back then, actually, I was on the east side. I was in a suburb called Sterling Heights, which is in Metro Detroit um, and worked in like the, the Troy Rochester area. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, there's really, really great, stuff about being on like a music team and learning so much about music and being able to, you know, be, uh, you know, taught a lot, you know, for, for a lot of kids, I think it's basically like, if you don't grow up playing in clubs and bars, you know, growing up in your uh, local church was like a place where, you know, tons of people learned, you know, um, especially like, you know, people that come from like the gospel background like you know all of them started in churches you know when i've been right. on the road and talked with different drummers so yeah i mean i think that's like especially just in america in general because of our background in uh 
Christianity, you know, like the basis of, of, of so much in our country is, is around that. So there's tons of people I think that share that experience, you know, of, of being involved in, in the church. And for me, it's, uh, you know, even though I mentioned, uh, Bazan, you know, I, that was kind of like a, a, a journey for me where it was just more of like a thing of realizing, Hey, that's not my, my scene. That's just like, there's just more that I want to pursue and go after. And, uh, you know, and, uh, it's not really, I don't really spend as much time anymore thinking about, um, my time there or like, kind of like that transition out. Um, it's kind of more just like a fun part or like a part of my past that I've just kind of like accepted and, you know, uh, moved on from, you know, so. Yeah, there, there is definitely like a control, like toxic mechanism to a lot of that and, and not to not get yeah. in it, but no, it, it it's just like, you know, like you said, you mentioned uh, you started writing more real authentic songs and they tried to shut mm-hmm. you down, which really feels like you don't value me as a person. You just value what I contribute. And if it's only in this, like, you know, 200 word vocabulary <laughs> that you just <laughs> recycling and yeah. yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's a really challenging, uh, it's a challenging environment to participate in because of kind of what you're saying is, is that, you know, you, you're expected based on like the theology to sacrifice self for the, for the greater whole. Right. And, right. um, and there's a beauty to that, obviously. There's a beauty to an idea of being a part of a community and, um, you know, uh, serving a community is, a, I think, certainly a wonderful thing. But I think there's an absence of, um, in, in a lot of situations that I was a part of, I, I can say, there was an absence of uh, fully developing the self so that an individual can be a participant within the community. You kind of... Uh, you kind of skip past the stage of like forming a person to be able to have confidence in themselves and equipping them to believe that, Hey, you know, like all of the, all of the things that you're going to face in your life, you're equipped to be able to handle and like building that sense of self in somebody and teaching them about like just kind of the human experience of understanding basic things for me, like depression, anxiety, and what those things are and how they function in your life. Right. Um, certainly, uh, sexuality is something that is not, you know, I, in my opinion, very uh, well thought out in a, in a progressive sense of what we know now. Um, it's certainly not inclusive um, in most situations. Yeah. Um, at, be- at best, it's kind of a passive acceptance Um and so there are things about that where I think I've, uh, you know, I have people close to me who are still living in those experience in that, in that world. And it's a rich world for them and they get a lot out of it. And I think it's beautiful. And I think they're also, you know, trying to be a part of changing that, which I think is like a wonderful thing as well. For me, years and years of counseling um, and just identifying a lot of uh, abuse that I went through ultimately like exiting that world was the best thing for me because I kind of had to start coming to grips with how it triggered me um, and how it had really created some dangerous uh, ideas about self and um, you know, those kind of things. And so 
Yeah. I mean, I think there are people that have really good experiences growing up in that, that are maybe in more progressive places, but overall, yeah, in my experience, it's pretty challenging for a lot of people. To, yeah. Uh, and you kind of mentioned, you know, you, you went to uh, counseling or therapy, but in a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, well, you know, I didn't grow up in Michigan, but at least in Southern evangelical uh, areas, there's a sort of, well, if you're in tune with the Bible and the Holy Spirit, then uh, you're you're healed. And they don't want to, uh, you know, there's like a a taboo taboo kind of thing about like therapy or, or, you know. Yeah. So, you know, kind of waltzing into uh, uh, that sort of uh, era of your life, which, uh, you know, once you kind of left that period, um, a couple of years later, you went through a nervous breakdown. uh. Yeah. So for me, there was a big, um, so after I released that record, I think there was like two things that happened to me. One, there was like this huge freedom that I experienced to finally kind of like being on my own. But I also, for the first time in my life was on my own. (laughs) Right. And, um, and kind of having to, uh, process and deal with things and, um, leading up to that, you know, within the church, I had actually gone through like some weird experiences with, uh, how to handle my, my depression and my anxiety. Right. And, um, all of them kind of involved supernatural ideas of like getting, you know, being freed from it or, you know, being prayed over and um, all those things. And that had really created this deep, deep thought in my, in me of um, my depression and my anxiety are not going away. Um, and that's like, you know, one of the worst things is when you have anxiety about your anxiety and you're, yeah. you have guilt, you have guilt and shame based around your depression. You can really s- just start to spiral down. Um, and also kind of mixed with, for me, in my experience in life, it's interesting when you're going through something big like cancer, uh, or for me, like when I've gone through cancer, when I've gone through my divorce, uh, I default to uh, a kind of get through it mode. And I'm actually, you know, a lot of times trying to help the people around me deal with what's going on with me. And then I find a few months later, something small will happen in my life that will then kind of trigger me dealing with the emotions, like a breakup or a fight or a loss or something like that will actually be the moment where I start processing the real stuff. Right. Which also can kind of be like, uh, you know, you have to be strong like that sort of, which goes back to that, you know, church mentality again is like, be strong for others. Or even like, just believe, you know, like just believe that it's going to be okay. You know, God's going to take care of it, which, you know, there's, there's something to faith that I admire, but for me, the, the, the process of that nervous breakdown led me to finally see a good counselor, um, that was recommended by a couple friends. And, um, it was the beginning of me starting to be able to kind of work through stuff. And, you know, obviously it was like five or six years of counseling, you know, that, you know, led that that succeeded that. And, um, it was probably like some of the biggest stuff for me was just learning, you know, my counselor was just like, so do you know what depression and anxiety actually are? You know, like little, little things like that, you know, and really starting to understand, you know, like anxiety is a function of like the monkey brain and it's your fight or flight instinct. And it's really your body protecting you. It's your body thinking that something 
there's something going on right now that is subconsciously reminding it of something in the past that's happened to it and it's alerting you, right? Or, you know, your depression a lot of times can be a function of your subconscious letting you know that something internally is is off, you know, with your life. And um, it was the first time somebody had really uh, framed my depression and my anxiety as a part of me and um, having use, you know, and not just being a problem to get rid of. Um, and then that kind of allowed me to start having a relationship with, with that, um, in a way of, you know, like, well, you know, your feelings and and all those things are important. They're not always telling you the truth. And sometimes they are telling you the truth and it's, you kind of just have to learn to have that relationship with it, um, and love it sometimes and ignore it at other times. And, um, you know, just like all those things that everybody kind of learns and is, is going through. But, um, yeah, I mean, br- the, the breakdown was, was tough. You know, it was, uh, I, I thought I was never gonna like sleep through the night again. I was sleeping about three hours a night. I was having nightmares. I was having panic attacks. And when you get down into that place, you just start kind of like fantasizing about, <laughs> um, not feeling that way. You know, you just want to not feel the hurt and the pain that you feel. And, uh, Luckily, I had a lot of loving people around me, and uh, I got connected with a counselor who really was able to help me um, start on track to like healing, you know. And uh, the early records and stuff like that are very, you know, there's a lot. I mean, there's always a heaviness, I feel like, to my writing, uh, yeah. especially with the mood. But the, the, obviously, the earlier stuff, you can, you can pick up on um, a lot of that. Do you feel like uh, the therapy has helped with songwriting or has it kind of stifled it or? Oh, no. I mean, I, you know, I was lucky. I have a lot of friends who have had like tough situations with counselors and, um, you know, the, you know, there's nothing that's foolproof, right? Like everything kind of, some people have bad experiences in all different realms. Right. But um, for me, I think the counseling has definitely helped me with my internal conversation as a, like about myself, um, you know, I, it's, you know, you have bad times, you have bad years, you know, um, I've had runs, you know, where I was like, when I first moved to Nashville, I was drinking too much and, um, all that stuff. But I mean, for me, definitely, uh, definitely the process of going through counseling gives you, I feel like the tools to be able to start, um, being able to grow and um, start this conversation for me anyways, of like um, loving yourself Um, kind of swinging back to what we were talking about growing up in the church. For me, the default was always like people pleasing and like serving um, and and ignoring self. So it's um, songwriting has always kind of been my way uh, of, of processing my life and figuring out what I really think. Cause I kind of just start stream of consciousness and let myself start singing about something. And then you kind of realize as the words are coming out, it's like, Oh, this is what I'm processing right now. Um, and so songwriting and therapy have helped because in a way, even before I was aware of it, songwriting was my counseling. It was the thing that was keeping me together. And then when I actually got to go into a session and talk to somebody about stuff and learn how to have a conversation with myself and how to love who I am and, and like forgive myself and do all those things. And, um, it's, uh, it's definitely helped me. I think just like be a better person and a better writer for sure. 
D.L. Rossi's new uh, uh, album is reviewed on our friends AmericanaHighway.org's website, so make sure you check out the review there. His website is DLRossi.com, R-O-S-S-I. So make sure you go there. And he's also available on all streaming platforms and also has vinyl available. So make sure you check that out. And while you're checking things out, make sure you go rate and review Americana Station podcast. Uh, That helps us a lot in growing and getting more people out there. Share it with your friend and tell a lot of people about it. Make sure you check out DL on the new Americana Highways Backroads playlist on Spotify. I will be updating that uh, today. And uh, also share that with your friends. All right, we're going to get back to the interview. Yeah, yeah I mean, it definitely i agree with the the therapy mentality um you know recently i've been going through some you know some tough stuff with uh you know i just had a daughter and um kind of mm. uh not with the mother so it's you know a little bit of a struggle to be able to see her and uh you can't communicate with a with a newborn so you know writing yeah. to her really has helped a lot with uh, processing the situation That's be tough stuff. yeah yeah so I definitely yeah. understand that. Yeah. I mean, I think those situations, you know, there is nothing kind of like more difficult than um, either not like just basically not being able to communicate with the person who's either hurt you or maybe somebody who you've hurt and not being able to, you know, um, have that conversation or have that space or have that time with them. And so the work of doing that internally with yourself is a lot of times like, you know, it, it's, it's so difficult just to do it internally for, for a time. And, uh, yeah, that's gotta be tough. It's also like, uh, <clears throat> it's kind of like once, once you do that, it's like, uh, it's not necessarily off your chest, but it's like, um, I, it always feels a little freeing to be, uh, like to, to have it out in the universe, you know, like not just yes. keep it in your head <clears throat> constantly. And, and yeah, I mean, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, you know, like having someone connect with that and understand that exact same thing that has been in your head that you haven't been able to, you know, yeah, uh, really release. It feels that that always feels awesome. Yeah, I mean, and there is a skill uh, and a thing that I haven't experienced like a lot, but learning to come to peace with something internally um, without an external source saying like, you know, uh, um, you know, I hear you, I'm sorry, or, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. It does unlock a little something in terms of you realizing how, how much you really do have within you, um, in terms of being able to like deal with life. Right. Um, like, so much of what we're, you know, taught as kids, which is a great thing is just like, you know, like, you know, just tell somebody that they hurt you and then they'll say that, you know, they're sorry. But one of the great tragedies of getting older is you realize not everybody will see something that way. You won't always be able to have that conversation with somebody, but learning to be able to have that internal dialogue, you know, of, um, 
being able to move on from a hurt um, or realize you don't need somebody to uh, you're not beholden to someone else. You know what I mean? You can, there is a way through past hurt is a, um, is actually, there's a strength that kind of comes from it after you, obviously you've mourned a lot of the, the hurt and the unfairness involved in it. But uh, yeah, there is a strength to that, to that experience that you, you find within yourself. And so on top of cancer and, you know, you, you mentioned divorce, you also uh, were at Opry Mills during active shooting situation. Oh man. Yeah. That was, um, I don't know if you remember that. That was like years and years ago, but I was a uh, guitar teching on the road at the time. Um, and I would have days off and I would just basically, um, it, when I had a day off, I would, or like a few days off and I was home, I would like Uber over to, I I'd find a show I wanted to go in the evening. And then in like around afternoon, I'd Uber over to Opry Mills, catch a show, like a, a movie. Um, and a lot of times I'd go to the Starbucks over there and just get like a cold brew and then like walk in it over to the movie. Was that the one at the Chili's? It was actually at, I think the forever 21, I think is what it was. It ended up being, and it was a, um, it was like a dispute between a couple and a a group of guys. It ended up being, but it was a weird situation because I actually walked by that store to get to the, uh, food court and uh, I was in line and there was like, all of a sudden there was like these six or seven kids just came sprinting through the food court and out the exit or towards the exit. And um, then, and I was like, oh, these kids, you know, like I was like typical, I felt like an old guy. I was like, oh, these stupid kids running through. Cause they were like really fast running through. And then I saw a dad with a double stroller popping a wheelie running and his wife next to him and they were sprinting. And then like probably 25 people came running and they just screamed run. And then literally everybody in the food court started running towards the exit and saying, somebody was yelling, like there was, uh, there was a shooting. And, uh, and I was like, what? And I remember running to the door and it was a weird experience for me because, uh, is it's weird because it's almost like a living organism. Like all of a sudden there's this huge group of people and they're all running towards an exit and you're just kind of like instinctually following and your adrenaline hits. But I do remember there was a moment where I was running and then I kind of stopped running and I started jogging because I thought to myself, I was like, if this is an active, like planned shooting, we're running towards an exit, which means we could be running towards another shooter if it's organized. And so that was a weird panicky moment where I was like, okay, I guess this is what I've committed to. And then I kind of ran out. I ran out the door and a bunch of people stopped as soon as they got out the door, but I actually ran to the back of the, uh, like the parking lot, like near the entrances, um, on the expressway, because I was like, if somebody has a gun, I don't want to be near the, I, I don't know what's going on. And, uh, Ended up not, they shut down all the exits so you couldn't Uber out. So I ended up walking up the expressway a mile to the nearest exit so that I could get picked up. (laughs) And um, while I was walking up the expressway, um, I called my family and I was calling like my brother and different people. And it was a weird experience because I basically, they didn't, nobody knew where I was. Um, They were all doing their own thing. And, um, and I had actually just moved in uh, at the time with my roommate, um, Ruben Bedez, who's an artist in, in Nashville, who's a great yeah. singer-songwriter. Yeah. And um, 
I like called my family. I was like, just so you guys know, there was like a shooting or something at the Opry Mills and I'm okay, but I was there and I'm like walking up the expressway trying to get an Uber to head back to Rubens. And, um, and it was just this weird experience where I was like calling people up and having all these emotions while I'm walking up the expressway. And, uh, that night I was sitting around the fire with Ruben and just talking about it kind of the way that I am now. And, uh, I think Kirby Brown was there too. He was hanging out with us and, um, and he, you know, he was just like, well, there's a song there. And that ended up being one of those songs on, uh, uh, this road was the the song that kind of came out of uh, that experience off my last record, um, a sweet thing. So yeah, that was so weird. <laughs> yeah. It was a weird experience. I, I had like panic nightmares that would pop up every once in a while for like a few months after that. But yeah. Yeah. I had uh, some friends that were at the Moss tacos and when this guy just, Oh gosh, you know about that one. I heard it was like, was it the one where somebody was in line or something? Yeah. And they just shot him in the chest and then took off. That was such a weird time because that there were so many shootings that were happening. Yeah. There was one in, in Nashville Cobra, at that time. I think. Uh, yeah. There was the Waffle House one or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were, I mean, that was the one I think that got the most national attention, but yeah, I mean, there was so much happening. Yeah. yeah. There was so much happening at that time. It was so weird. The vibe. Like, <clears throat> yeah, because this isn't really a a, a shooting town, <laughs> you know. There's not like and not, not leading up to that. It you know, had definitely not been something where you were hearing about these things. But. Yeah, it's not Detroit or New Orleans or you know. Yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. It was weird. So the the new record um, is Lonesome Road. First, I want Lonesome Kind. I'm sorry, actually, lo- Lonesome Kind. Lonesome Kind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh <laughs> that's funny there's a typo on your uh yeah there is I, I i didn't know if you got an updated one or not on the original I, one there was a there was a typo there i didn't so sorry lonesome kind uh and shout out you're going to be playing at the basement the is this one of the first basement shows back as far as i know yeah Premier. Um, yeah my uh my my publicist is hosting a show on uh um april 17th and um get to play with like king corduroy and a bunch of the danberries and a bunch of great artists yeah and half of be, them have been on the podcast they're all like great artists it's super yeah. cool yeah, and it's socially distanced it's basically like tables like you buy like a table right um, and it's outside yep yeah, and it's outside and um got a really good band i got a lot of the guy or a couple of the guys that actually played on the record and um some friends and it'll be the first show yeah that i've I've man, I think it's the first show I've played in almost two like a year and I mean because I hadn't played any shows leading up to the pandemic for a little bit. So I mean it's like almost two years for me. <laughs> oh man. So are you nervous? Yeah, so <laughs> no. I mean, honestly, the, the vibe that I feel like is, you know, it's just gonna basically be good vibes because I think everybody's just gonna be happy to oh, be man. together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh I guess like, I mean, the normal nerves of playing, but not like an exorbitant amount. It's just kind of more like, man, I'm just excited to be able to share um, some good times with everybody and share these songs. So yeah. that'll be fun. I, I'm mm-hmm. definitely coming to, to check it out. Um, I'm super excited. Awesome. Are, you, are you getting the vinyl records? Yes. Um, I'll have, I'll have vinyls. Hell yeah. yeah. I'll have some vinyls at the show. So pick one up. Um, I'll, yeah. 
yeah, we'd love to give you one. So, so the, for everyone out there uh, in podcast land, if you're in uh, Nashville on April t- uh, 17th, sorry, it masks mm-hmm. are required socially distance outside. It's called back to business by uh, sweetheart pub. So if you look up sweetheart uh, pub on Facebook, you'll be able to find the uh, information, but uh, 2 PM is Elijah ocean who will be on uh, the next podcast after this one. We've got the Danberries at 3 PM who have also been on the podcast DL is at four for his album release, Phoebe Hunt and Dominic Leslie at five and King Corduroy at six. So it's going to be a killer lineup. If you've been waiting to see uh, any of the bands that have been on the podcast, this is the opportunity because almost all of them have been and uh, I'm dying to see all these guys live. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and what are the, what's the ticket price on that? Um, I, I think it's $15 a ticket, but it, you know, you get, it's buying a block of four together. So, um, get a, get a group of friends together just to sit at the table and yep, that's right. Know, go for it. Uh, it's worth every penny for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And I'm sure like the staff at the basement is just like stoked to, to get back to it. So it's a great opportunity to love on them and uh, make sure we all come ready to tip. Right, right, for sure. Yep. Man, I haven't been to the basement in probably at least a yeah. year and a half, almost as long as you've Man. played a show. <laughs> so many, and and the basement was like literally, you know, basement was like my go-to spot every week. <laughs> it was like, okay, what show this week do I want to go? Just chill and see somebody play, you know. And it's just like, uh, it's going to be great to be back there. Yeah, there's there's rarely ever a bad band that plays there, so it's always a great spot yeah. to be at. One time I got somebody hooked me at a gang of youths played there like a few years ago and it was like a secret show and I got in and it was completely packed and they put on just like one of the best shows I've ever, I've ever seen live. And it was so great to be in that room packed out. Um, John Latham was there and I sat next, or I was stood next to him while we were going. It was just like, it was a fun, fun, fun show. So do you have plans to come back to Nashville or are you done with us for good? (laughs) um i you know i love nashville i you know what i I realized when i was visiting michigan was is like i miss seasons like i miss like the snow and i'm a i'm a michigan guy at heart but um you know my my brother lives there and i'll always spend a lot of time there um and who knows i i feel like i'm on this little pattern of like moving around and traveling wandering around so you never know The, the humidity the heat always got to me in the summertime, the like 85 degrees and full humidity at like Sorry. 10, from, 10 PM. I'm from Louisiana. So <laughs> yeah. So you're like, yeah, whatever. I'm like what yeah, humidity? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. For me, it, it was just always like, I was just, I'm a sweater. So it was just like, I'm a big guy. So it's just like, you know, uh, it was, that was always a struggle for me, but, uh, but I mean, I love Nashville. Um, I think really moving, moving back to Michigan was more of a function of, just listening to my inner voice and just being like, Oh, let's do something new. You know, let's yeah. do something different. My time in Nashville was really one where I wanted to put myself in an environment where I was literally surrounded by the best musicians and the best songwriters in the, you know, in the country and the world and wanting to uh, see what would happen to my writing and happen to me as a musician, putting myself in that environment. It was really like a, uh, an experiment of wanting to grow, you know, and it did right. that. Um, there's so many 
great musicians that I'm a huge fan of now, you know, like Carl Anderson, Kirby Brown, Ruben Bedez, uh, Molly Pardon, Aaron Ray, like, you know what I mean? Like every, every month you had an opportunity to go see these amazing local artists right? and, um, and amazing local musicians. You know, you start to just kind of realize all the different people and, um, it's, uh, it is a wonderful, wonderful town. Um, and, uh, I really I will always love it. Um, but yeah, right now it's just kind of moving around, trying different things. So nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely at this point in time, <laughs> at this moment, it's, there's not much to do in Nashville. Yes. So might as well go. Yes where where you have four seasons that you love <laughs> true and i did I, I got to have winter you know what i mean this this past there was snow on christmas it was pretty uh i mean there might have actually been snow on the ground at christmas in nashville too but it was uh we had a, like a heavy winter it was kind of fun i could walk around grand rapids at night uh, while the snow was falling and there was just something magical about that for me <clears throat> we did get uh we got like three days <laughs> nice yeah. we got that. we got three months of snow here so yeah that's too much for me. that's too much. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. so um is there a, a common theme to uh lonesome kind um or is yeah it you know it's it is this time with my songwriting what i tried to really do i was actually having a, a conversation about this with a friend last night from LA. We were, we were up late talking for this album. Um, what I really wanted to do um, in terms of my writing was I wanted to grow and I've been encouraged to grow from a few people about saying like, you know, focus on the stories and don't necessarily focus as much on every detail being about the reality of the story really grow into telling the best story you can yeah and so i tried to on this record allow myself to kind of do the normal process of writing these kind of like raw songs that are inspired by real experiences but then um, go back and edit and create essentially just like short stories right that um right that are just telling the core idea of what it is that i wanted to you know, get across. And I think overarchingly in the album, the idea is this idea of becoming, uh, coming to peace with just like who I am as a person, the, the instantly allowing myself, uh, David Ramirez, I saw him one time in Nashville and he said this, this great thing is just like, you're allowed to change your mind. Yeah. Um, and like, that's a human thing to like grow and and change your mind and feel different things. And so on the record, there's a lot of different emotions and a lot of different feelings and a lot of different things that I allowed myself to say, and none of them are necessarily true, Yeah, but they're true in the sense that these are things that I felt or thought or gone through. Um, And so the the real like kind of core of the album is, is just this idea of becoming uh, okay with yourself, whatever, whoever you are, you know, but for me, obviously these stories are kind of telling like aspects of me, but it's really just about, um, the, the, that internal growth of kind of coming to peace with yourself, including like the parts of you that are like, you know, sassy or, you know, the, 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 the shitty parts, um, and, uh, and learning that you're like, okay on your own 
you know, kind of circling back to what we were talking about in counseling. It's like you have all the other people are great and it's great being in communities, it's great being in relationships, it's great having things to share with, but you do have all the tools you need, you know, um, to find happiness and peace and all those things uh, within yourself. Right. Yeah. Well, and another thing about storytelling is that like, if, if everything were accurate, it, it would be a lot more boring of a story, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, no, it, it's, that's a true thing. I, I got one of those masterclass subscriptions and uh, yeah, I I've gotten into the Aaron Sorkin one and there's a, a part where he says, he's like, dialogue can't be written as like, we talk about it. It's gotta be two characters talking about something because that's way more interesting than just two people like having a normal conversation. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I mean, and obviously that's his style and his opinion, but the, the spirit of that is true. It's like, you got to get into your story and you got to get into the, the, pe- the characters involved in that story and cultivate a conversation that's centered around the topic, you know, and the struggle. Right. And, um, and yeah, I mean, and that's definitely something that I try to push myself to do better. Um, or in or grow in i guess would be a way of putting it on this record my parents were both uh journalists and um, oh nice yeah yeah and so of course they're going to be like verifying accuracy and stuff like that and you know editing so sometimes they'll listen to my songs and like uh i had this one song where uh i talk about going home uh which is in central louisiana and i said something about like uh on the way home there's cotton fields and sugar cane and my dad's like Sugarcane doesn't grow in North Louisiana. I'm like, dad, that's not the point. Like you're trying to paint a picture of Louisiana, not necessarily just Monroe. And then uh, there's another line that where I, I said, uh, uh, I miss the nights where my mom used to sing, you are my sunshine to me. She'd rock back and forth in the chair her daddy made as I slowly drifted to sleep. And my mom was like, you know, my dad didn't make that chair, but the whole song's about my grandfather. And so it like tied into the the very end of the song and yep. yeah. And, and she's like, he didn't make that chair. We bought it. And I'm like, mom, it doesn't matter. Yep. It, it, it doesn't work if I don't put that in there, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you're telling stories, you know what I mean? It's not necessarily truths. It's, you know, right. there is truth. There is truth wrapped up in it. And, you know, the best storytellers find a way to make, you know, uh, details and, uh, embellishments flow together in such a way where you feel what the thing is that you want someone to feel, you know, which is that emotion that kind of makes them feel understood. However you, you deliver it, but yeah, yeah. exactly. But then, you know, it, yeah, I think it's just the, the, the journalist integrity in them. They're like, this is, Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, but I also think that like, if anybody's listening to music in that way, like with a critical ear, uh, that certainly you can learn a lot about a song, but a song is best taken in by just like feeling it as a whole, which means not necessarily paying complete attention to the words, not necessarily playing complete, complete attention to the music. That's songwriting, you know, Um, it's getting lost in it and then letting it speak to you. So, but yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Like the, the getting lost in the minutia of things and like the, the smallest detail, you know, it can kill a song. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. You got to like, let your brain go. That's a big thing for me with songwriting. You just got to like, let the creativity happen and shut off your editor 
um, your editor hat until there's a song to, to actually critique, right? Like you yeah. can't, you can't critique it as you go. You, you definitely have to allow yourself to do those things and then go back and obviously make something that feels good to you and that you're okay with any mistakes or, or any like, you know, uh, fabrications, if you so to say, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Man. There's also a freedom in knowing it doesn't have to be the best song, you know, or that you'll actually, Oh yeah. But just writing because that's what you love doing. That that took me a long time to get to because I thought every song was so precious. Getting to a point where it was like, no, well, this can be just an exercise, or this can just be like a gro- like or or just something for me. It doesn't have to be something that's going to be on the next record, and that is super freeing to be in that place. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's always the throwaway. Uh, mind dump songs that you write on your way to whatever the next EP or single or album is going to be. And, uh, and I was actually, uh, you know, I told a few friends recently, I was like, there's never really a waste of time because if all uh, a song you don't use is, is just the thing that gets a, an idea or a topic out of your mind so that you can move on to the next thing, or maybe continue to work on that idea in the next song. Right. You know, it's all, it's, it's all kind of a part of who you are as a songwriter. Um, and so, uh, I think it's important to approach songwriting, uh, or maybe I should say what I've found is that as you continue to be a songwriter and you accept yourself as a songwriter, you can, um, not feel that kind of pressure you're talking about because you know, like, this is what I'm doing. So when I sit down to write a song, there's not pressure. It's just allowing that song to kind of be what it's going to be because there's, there's more music coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's, it, you're free to just do what you are supposed to be doing, you know? Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful yeah. place to end. Um, thank you so much for coming by. Um, I really appreciate yeah. it. I'm super excited to see you in the full band live uh, on April. Be great. And get the new record. Um, so yeah and we'll see you again soon hopefully uh, get some video at the show yeah it'll be great well thanks so much for tuning in to Americana Station today make sure you rate and review give it a follow uh, share with your friends tell everybody about DL Uh, next up on the podcast we have Elijah Ocean Uh, he has a new side project as well as uh, an announcement to make an exclusive on Americana Station I might add Uh, so make sure you are following and uh, you'll get the uh, update whenever the Elijah Ocean episode comes out until then make sure you go check out the Americana Highways Backroads playlist on Spotify updated monthly by yours truly and uh, yeah we'll see you next time I'm Will Payne Harrison (laughs) 